Welcome back to another episode of It's Cryptic Out There. I'm your host, Justin. And um, Julia's right there filling in for Josh because he's currently, you know, where are you right now? Well, you know, um, first of all, hello to all my ghouls, gas, and witches out there. Love y'all. Yes. Um, So last week I was out in the national parks looking around for homeless, feral people. Yeah. And um, didn't find them, but I did get knocked unconscious and woke awoke three days later. And I ended up in this little area. I'm not real sure where I am. Oh my god! But um, yeah, I know it's exciting. Um, and I'm trying to learn a little bit about this Joe Metheny guy. Yes, today we'll be talking about something very disturbing. Uh, like uh like we said before, we do a lot of local stuff, but we're trying to branch out into nationwide cases. And today is a very disturbing and gross one. <laughs> um, let me just pop up a photo of the guy who we were talking about. Yeah, he's disgusting looking. <laughs> so with all disrespect. Yes, yes. He 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 done terrible things. So I guess we'll just start off. <laughs> Are you ready? Because you don't know the story. Julia. Yeah, I'm in the dark here. Yes. All right. Joe Metheny was born in 1955 and started out living in Baltimore, Maryland with his mother and father. They moved to West Virginia when he was only two years of age. With there not being much about his childhood, his family struggled to make ends meet with raising six children. So, doing research, it's weird because there's some names that I couldn't find out that you would think would be easy to find, but they weren't. Do you know what part of West Virginia? I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's it, This story's kind of vague at times. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm just a terrible researcher. Either or. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you guys are watching, different setup. <laughs> I was just on the other side of the room, and we were, you know, customizing the the podcast studio. So he moved it over here. Yeah, with a bunch of <laughs> aesthetics. You we got picked it up, and yeah. we moved it over there. Thank yes. you for getting that, Josh. Yes, yes. <laughs> the 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 bullworm from SpongeBob, yes. the Alaskan bullworm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you want to know the reference? <laughs> He moved to West Virginia when he was two years of age, with not being much of with with there not being much of his childhood. His family struggled to make ends meet with raising six children. It is said that his father struggled with alcohol, which is up in the air if that made their situation worse. More than likely, it Probably. did. It did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I, I assumed. Um, let's see. 
I just want to say, yeah, go ahead. I went to look up because I wanted to see if we could find where he's at. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for this poor soul, there's already a Joseph Metheny of Bridgeport, West Virginia, who's on LinkedIn. And um, I'm sorry you share that name, boss. Exactly. What if that's like (laughs) this? Wait, what year did all this happen? Uh, the 76 to 97, right? It, is when he committed his murders. Yeah. His son. It might be. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. So, oh. it is said, okay. And it's not great. Uh, more sadness struck when his father was killed in a car accident in the year of 1961. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Not off to a great start. Not at all. Trying to find a better solution to raising all the children, Joe's mother moved them back to Baltimore as she would work various jobs. With Was the death of his father, you know, did it help play a part in Joe's later endeavors? No possibility. Because at a young age, kids seem to um, feel abandonment, even if it was, you know, an accidental death. <clears throat> so, hmm. at a young age, his death could have shown a sign of abandonment, even though his father's death wasn't intentional. As a teenager, Joe dropped out of school when he was in the eighth grade. It is said that this was due to support his family and search for odd jobs. When he was 18, Joe joined the Army, and that was in 1973. Hmm. While serving, Joe's bizarre behavior seemed to have begun. He cut communication with his family for two years and then was honorably discharged from the Army. He moved back to Baltimore and reunited with his mother and siblings. However, his family would catch him lying about being heroic on the battlefield when his service was not involved with war during the time. So he talked about, like, Vietnam, but they weren't even over there during the time he was serving. That's what it I sounds like stolen valor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, stolen valor from somebody who's already in the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bro, you already did it. Right, right. <clears throat> Probably just, like, a deep-rooted need to, like, get attention. Yeah. How yeah. many How many children did you say there were? Apparently six. Six? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of kids if you think about it. It is, it is. You know, I only grew up with a brother. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine, you know, four more of those old <laughs> bastards running around. <laughs> he would continue telling stories and praise himself. Surprisingly, Joe came out of the Army with a high school certificate and an education in physics. All right. Oh my gosh. Like, and what? Jockey. Great work. So far, Joe, so far, Joe's doing great. Yeah. He's beat the odds. He's lying a little bit, you know, and that's a red flag. Yeah. But we're not at full, you know, batting the hatches, things are bad. Right, right. But we're getting there. Uh, <laughs> it's building up. <laughs> thank you. He never used this, though, his, you know, physics education. However he got that in the Army, I don't know. He never used this, though, and would follow in his mother's footsteps, finding low-paying odd jobs. Substance abuse started when he served in the war, or in the army, 
And when he was back in the States, he would spend his money on alcohol. Well, that was common at the time. Yeah. Visiting Baltimore bars and getting trashed every night playing pool, his bizarre, violent behavior arose. The later the nights got, the more substance abuse he would do, including drugs such as heroin. Joe spent time with drug dealers and homeless shel- in, hom- in homeless shelters as he became broke and homeless. He spent most of his time at a shelter called Tent City. Ooh. Joe being a complete mess, the community actually liked him, when he was sober at least. Mm-hmm. They would ironically call him Tiny. The 6'1", over 200-pound man had a friendly personality when not abusing his mental and physical self. This was all in the 1990s during this time. Joe had a switch. Nice guy when sober, violent guy when intoxicated. He loved fighting and being dominant towards others. He liked to humiliate people when he was under the influence now i am no psychologist Mm -hmm. nor do i have any degree in psychology i'm technically a college dropout if you think about it (laughs) okay and just my opinion on this is you know i think when people get drunk like that and their demons are angry you think about it his dad was an alcoholic yeah who's to say that when his dad got drunk he like he humiliated him he bullied him. He was super rude to him. Yeah. So when he gets drunk, that same part comes out of him, you know, whereas other people can get drunk and feel nothing. Yeah. You know, like no sort of emotion. They might get super sappy or emotional or something, but not that angry. I feel like most of the time when people have that, when they drink and they get angry, there's a, a root cause there that they're trying to mask with being drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to do research on if his father was ever super abusive like that, and all of the re- all of the the sources I saw was it could have been, but yeah. there's no you know proven evidence I guess. So he then met a woman, and I am unsure of what her name was. Things are looking up, right? Yeah, this is. One of the things where I couldn't find the lady's name, I heard it, w- or I read that it was Latifa or okay. Rachel. Maybe she's in the witness protection program. Now. <laughs> yeah, it was either Latifa or Rachel. Well, okay. Latifa, Rachel, if you're out there, you know. Yeah, dude. God. Yeah. Sorry. Call the hotline. Call the hotline. <laughs> Justin, what's the number? Five four zero three five eight one five eight three. Alright, Latifa, Rachel, you heard the number. Let's yeah. give them a call. Um So apparently they married, allegedly. And right. they had a son oh, wow. they had a son named Matt, maybe. That the, the, the name Matt might have been it. I couldn't find the real child's name. Huh. So we need to watch film and do better. It must there must be a documentary that says it. I don't know. I don't know. But if anybody knows the story, you could call the hotline or text the hotline. 540 You beat me to it, baby. Yep. It is strange that I could not find, you know, who these people were. Joe tried to get his life straight and finally found a steady job working on a forklift. His co-workers trusted him and thought he was a great problem solver. Ooh. 
He was great at figuring out solutions. This would later help him out in his violent endeavors. Dun dun. Joe and his new family lived in a trailer, and one day after work, he returned home to find an empty trailer. He was a frantic mess because he knew his wife ran off with his son. So apparently, he thought they ran away, leaving him alone. Mm. So this is where I found this article, and it's a very shitty article because there's a lot of misspelled words and um, (laughs) it just grammatically is just incorrect. But it seems to go with the, the story with from like Wikipedia and everything because it has like a it has a good timeline but he was searching for his uh, six-year-old son it was in um, July 1994 and his wife was apparently addicted to crack Joe found out her whereabouts six months later so this has been you know half a year of trying to find his son his ex-wife lived with his camel the person who provided him drugs i don't know if that's the correct name that could be like you you would think that they'd call him a mule like a drug mule yeah 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 yeah. someone who carries drugs but a drug camel i ain't never heard of that before me neither the camel's probably like the head honcho and then the mule is like the middle man Mm, that makes sense that's a good point yeah yeah but the authorities had to put in adoption for the child after accusing them of negligence and child abuse. So the kid actually was like, they're, you know, they're abusing me. Joe blamed them for losing the little boy. Oh, okay, so the drug dealer and the mother was abusing the child. And Joe found out Joe blamed them for losing the little boy, but he couldn't get him back because of his criminal record. So at the time, Joe, you know, he had some uh, some charges. So, Metheny's known and connected kills began in 1995. A few months after his drug addict wife left him and took their six-year-old son, in a rage, he brought an axe to a location under a bridge where he thought her drug dealers would be uh, lurking. Instead, he found two homeless men and allegedly chopped them to death. Metheny was later acquitted for those murders, but is largely believed to have committed them. So he got away with that, allegedly. So he went down there to find them and they weren't there, so he was like, well, that'll do. They're good enough. (laughs) Gotta project it onto somebody. Isn't that sick? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's only like what Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees does in every slasher film. (laughs) You're in my way. Alright. Metheny told police that he killed three more unrelated individuals on the same night. He said he weighed their bodies down with rocks and threw them in a nearby river. He was on a rampage. Yeah, he was. Drunken rage, probably. Three years later... Divers searched the location but found nothing. The case was dropped due to a lack of evidence. Jesus Christ. Didn't he admit to it? Get it together. 
but that's the thing. He does seem like a constant liar. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even when you go in his Wikipedia, like, or well, just based off what you told us, you know, him saying that I served in Vietnam and I did all these things like a war hero, but you didn't. Yeah. That's probably and what that he sounds... says in the interrogation room. He's like, I, was I a war served. Hero. Yeah, I was a war hero. Uh, just a compulsive liar with like this mass ego. Yep. You know, it's like sociopath. I think that's the thing. Wanting to be like. You can't be powerless if you're the one in power. Yep. Later in 1995, Metheny said he lured crack whores, specifically Kathy Ann Magaziner, who was 45, and Kimberly Spicer, who was 26, to his trailer near the food stand. He killed, dismembered, and partially ate them prior to preparing their remains as burger meat. Well, that is just, like, straight-up unnecessary, first of all. This is a nightmare. Yeah, that is disgusting. Yes. Um, I want to read his... Pretty much his confession. Is he still alive? I don't think so, but I can I can look it up. I believe it said he died in 2017. Yeah. It was in like prison. Yeah. I was going to say, we should call the jail that he's at. Yeah. <laughs> so his confession I start out to start out I would tell you about myself at the present moment which is locked up I am 48 years old I weigh about 450 pounds and it's not all fat Uh, what? yeah I've been locked up for almost 8 years now but when one has been sentenced to a couple of life without parole sentences time doesn't matter anymore I have no problem with being locked up for no one for no one put me here but myself and I deserve to be right where I'm at because I had 12 law abiding drawers and told me so in a couple different cases haha I was only convicted of two murders and one kidnapping for the one that I got away with I got 50 years for her The first murder, I was sentenced to life without parole. The second one, they gave me the death penalty. I sat on Maryland's death row for three years, and then they overturned my sentence and gave me another life without parole and sent me down here for the rest of my life. I killed seven people, three men, four women. Two men I chopped up with an axe under a bridge in South Baltimore. I was found not guilty. For them because they couldn't prove I did it. Under the same bridge I also killed two women and one man who was fishing who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I weighed their bodies down and put them in the river. I showed the police where I put them about three years later but they couldn't find them so they could not charge me for them. My murder rampage started out as revenge, but ended up as a passion for the taste of blood and the overwhelming sense of power one gets for taking the other, the life of another. Yeah, it happened uh, because his ex-wife took his son away from him. So I guess that ignited the, the fire. Yeah, man. You never know what anyone is truly capable of or what they have hidden down deep inside of them, but... Yeah. Ultimately, your environment is what molds you and what creates you. And it sounds like, as most murderers, mass murderers, 
his childhood didn't seem that great. Because no. it sounds like his mom is being like, no, he had a great childhood. And, <laughs> and if he says he didn't, he's a liar. Yeah. Well, to me, that makes it sound like you are probably a liar. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, you're pushing all it all are. on him. Yeah, they all so, are. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it just bred that. And unfortunately, like, you know, you think of this, like, those kind of serial killers, they never murder their parents, you know? Right. They always take it out on innocent people because they were the innocent one in the situation. And they could be possibly still scared of their parents in a weird way. True. Yeah. Yeah. He once, so he, you know, told his story, and I'm, I'm going to read it. <clears throat> it all started back in July of 1994. I was at work. I was a truck driver. I was working overtime this one night. Then I got off and went home as I always did. But when I opened the door and turned on the light, I noticed there was nothing there. As we, you know, discussed about his ex-wife and his son leaving. My old lady had taken everything, including my son, and left me. Her leaving was not my problem, but she took my six-year-old son with her. She was a crack addict and a worthless piece of shit. I would have paid her to get out of my life. All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and she could have had everything else and be gone. Well, if she was this bad, why was he a truck driver? Like, okay, that's your job, whatever, you can't help you have to be away from home Forklift. a lot. Whatever. Yeah. But, like, if she's that bad to where... You know, he knows that she's a crack addict. All this stuff. Why was he leaving this child that's his unattended with her for probably days and days at a time? You yeah. know? And, of course, like, he just said the mom is right up the road. Take the kid up the road to her. Yeah. If she's that bad. Was she that bad? Who knows? It could just be all these people are just <laughs> shitty. Yeah, you know. And it might not even be that they mean to be shitty. Yeah. It's just like circumstantially, you know, like there are some people who think that the best way to treat somebody on drugs is to just either shy away from them and never talk to them because yeah. they've made their bed, they need to lay in it, you know. And then there's other people who want to try and help, you yeah. know. Yeah. But also when you think of the time period, weren't they weren't as open mm -hmm. to that. To drugs or really mental health or anything at the time compared to what it is now yeah so it continues I found out about six months later she had moved on the other side of town with some asshole that had her out selling her ass for drugs they got busted for drugs and they took my son away from them for child neglect and child abuse I had no chance of going to social services and trying to get my son back to do my due to my past criminal criminal record so I took it upon myself with the hatred I had for these two who lost my son to go looking for them I had found out from someone that they were going under that bridge and getting high with some homeless motherfuckers who lived under that bridge I went under there looking for them they were not there but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's 
where they were when I left, except they were dead from being chopped up. Uh, oh. What if he had the two wrong homeless motherfuckers? What if the other two were like, right? out of the office that Jeez, day? Jeez, that would be even you worse. Know? God. Yeah. Now you're extra innocent. Jesus. And sorry about the, the explicit content, but this is a heavy one. Yeah. That same night, I lured the first crack whore down under that bridge. I got her high and was trying to get information out of her about my old lady's whereabouts. She's a hypocrite. She acted like she didn't know. Yeah, there's... Uh, sorry, there's random knocks in my apartment. I think it's haunted. <laughs> so if you guys heard that in the background... I think it's just the name. It might be, but it sounded like it was from, like, right there. <laughs> okay, let's continue. The crack whore under the bridge. I got her high and was trying to get information out of her about my old lady's whereabouts. She acted like she didn't know where, so I beat the hell out of her and raped her ass, then killed her. Jesus Christ. I put her in some bushes and went and lured the second bitch down there. Jesus Christ! She had to have, this. That had to have been like an hour apart, though. You know, it's she a long, wasn't just like waiting at the end of the corner. A super for long turn, You know, <laughs> I did the same to her as the last one, but as I was about to throw her in the bushes with the other one, I noticed an old black man down by the river fishing, looking back up at me. I grabbed a steel pipe that was lying by and ran down on him and laid his head wide open. So I put the two girls in him in the river and weighed them down with rocks. That was a very busy night for me. Five murders within about seven hours. I washed up in that river and cleaned up the crime scene as much as I could, then left. Two and a half weeks later, I was arrested and charged with the murders of the two men I chopped up. I spent close to 18 months in Baltimore City Jail waiting to go to trial. The trial lasted one week, and it was thrown out of court because of lack of evidence. Wow. I was free again. I went back and talked to my old boss into giving me my job back at the Pallet Company. There was a little trailer on the property, so I told my boss to let me stay there and I could keep an eye on the place. He agreed to this and gave me the keys to the front gate and main building. The company Man, was... A, go ahead. What a dumbass. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Oh, you can live here? Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. But, he, you know, he was likable. When sober. Yeah. He was a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Narcissistic sociopath. That bastard. The company was on a dead-end road and was very isolated. It was perfect for what I was wanting to do. I lured two more crack whores up there to my trailer. Oh, my God. I killed and butchered their bodies up. I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls then put it in the freezer. I buried the remains in several shallow graves in a little woods behind the company. Over the next couple weeks, on the weekends, I opened up a little open pit beef stand. I had real roast beef and pork sandwiches, and why not they were 
very good. The human body taste was very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. How was he just like luring all these crack whores randomly? Did he have like a dog whistle for crack whores? I guess where he was addicted to drugs, he, he I guess knew the people. whistle is like, I don't know. Yeah, he, he, he knew people. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure if he knew the right people to go to, especially yeah. if he was charming. Yeah. You know? He doesn't look okay. charming. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't. That's well, the thing. Everyone loves ugly babies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything was going pretty good until I ran out of special meat. Human meat. How to go get more. So I lured another bitch up to my trailer. Wow, I got her vulgar language, sir. Yeah. I got her in there and started to rip her clothes off and knocking the hell out of her. She was screaming, but there was no one around to hear her except me. And I just kept on laughing at her. God, that's a terrible thing to just yeah. picture. I turned around for a split second, and that was my mistake. For she ran out of the door before I could get to her. There was an eight-foot chain-link fence and barbed wire on top of it around the front of the company. There was a stack of wooden pallets next to the fence about ten feet high. That bitch scaled those pallets like a monkey and jumped the fence and ran down to the main road where some guy in a pickup truck picked her up and took her to the nearby gas station where Good they called her. the cops. Well, I knew the cops were on the way, but I didn't run. I gathered up her clothing, grabbed the keys to the gate, and went out and opened it. Soon as I stepped out of the gate, a cop car pulled up, and the cop jumped out of the jumped out and pulled his gun on me and told me to get on the ground. And that is where it all came to an end. They took me down and booked me. She had told them that I had said I was going to kill her like the rest, which was true. They had me sitting in a little room down at homicide drilling me and damn near kissing my ass, trying to find out what I had done. They pulled me out of city jail every day for one month, taking me back and forth between the company and the bridge. I had I had they I had them going crazy over at the company digging up the remains of the two bitches there, because I had their remains buried in seven different holes. The only thing I feel bad about in any of this is I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after. And that's my ex, old lady, and the bastard she got hooked up with. Well, that's my story. Horrible, but true. So the next time you're hiding down the road, you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before... Make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes you never know what you may be eating. Ha ha. That's a story sticking to it. That is this... <laughs> God, Jesus. This is all satire to him. It really is. You That's what tell. makes it even more yeah. disturbing. This is funny to him. It, yeah. It means nothing, you know, like, him making that that statement is like his final little power trip yeah, yeah of being able to be like i'm going to say this 
because no matter what, I'll stick with people forever. Yeah. And I'll always be there, you know? Yeah. And I think it's easy for us to, like, talk about stuff like this and crack jokes every now and then, but, like, this is real. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, how he... not satire. How he's wording it is, like, dark humor. Like, it's, like... It it doesn't even seem real. That's why it's, like, outrageous, you know? To him, his murders and everything... Like, the way that he described that in that story yeah. is... I mean, he laughed in that girl's face while he was trying to rape her. Yeah, he's Like, this like is a joke to him, you know? Like, God that power, complex. if he has power over you, then to him, it's his entertainment. That's what he gets joy out of, you know? Right. And so, like, that little... That story that he made right there, his confession, that's his entertainment, you know? His way to make it be like, ha-ha, like, yeah, you may have caught me, but doesn't matter to me right right i don't want to hate you joe matheny i don't want to eat hamburgers anymore i don't want to eat hamburgers anymore jesus christ you never know right yeah you never know so like he said um if you see a random beef stand which um the only stands i see really is like hot dog stands man i don't even see those I usually see, like, fruit stands. Yeah. I don't think if I ever saw either of the two, though, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Right. right. Hold on, honey, we gotta pull over. <laughs> Let's get some... Real quick, I'll make it quick, I promise. Get like, some ground no. beef. <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, you're getting damn uh, wrong turn or left or whatever that movie is. Yeah, get yeah. Jeepers Creepered. You pull a fingernail out of it or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, great, of course. Now I'm stuck in this situation? Yeah, yeah. You go back to your car, now your car won't start. <laughs> like, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all I have with Joe Metheny. Um, I just thought we could share something outrageous and something different, something non-local. Because um, even though we do local cases cuz like small town you know stories that we usually do are so weird mm-hmm. like mainstream crimes are like yeah we get it but like yeah you know stories that a lot of people don't hear and there's more into it when you can dig deeper and find stuff it gets weird honestly like the mainstream stories they almost become like a uh oh man like a tale almost yeah you know it becomes uh like it becomes like cinema it becomes a movie exactly. it's real but it just becomes theatrical right yeah and when you think of real people committing real murders and things like that like there's no documentary about it it's just someone went postal in their uh grocery store or something or found somebody and killed them or something like that's very interesting yeah because those people like some people might not be psychopaths or sociopaths or or something like that you know they might just be like they may have just murdered someone by in a moment you know or something like that and with the with this show being you know cryptic yeah mysterious the the small town local cases um that a lot of people don't know like for example, that I think his name's Dave Montgomery. David Montgomery, yeah. Yeah, like I never knew anything about that, but then when I've been doing this podcast, everyone's like, "You got, you should like 
look into him because he's like notorious around this area. I'm like, okay. Dude, the amount of stories that my uh, mama has, I think he actually worked for my dad. Yeah. When my dad was over in maintenance at the old hospital, I think he was part of uh, like a contracting team or something. Yeah. Um, like things like that. And just like for one story that I always heard from my grandfather is that they would be at a gas station and he would get on top of the gas pumps and jump off and spread eagle onto the concrete chest first. That's do that like five times. That's insane. Yeah, that is insane. (laughs) And I think his dad used to be the sheriff of Giles at one point. Really? He had two brothers who were also cops. Yeah, David Montgomery was a Marine, too. We're going to have to, like, continue this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, put a yeah. pin in that, please. Put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah, actually, once we get off here, there is some things, because uh, he was actually trying to pay somebody to do a biography of him. Um, like, he put a thing out in the paper. I think he's recently died, though. Yeah, I think he... Well, I'm not going to say... We'll just leave it there, because I think I know how he got... How he died. But, yeah... I'll tell you. Um, so, Joe Anthony, glad you're dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he died in prison you're in 2017. Fat, ugly. You're a terrible person. He looks, he just looks evil. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are probably going to be like, I can't believe you'd say that. Say what? About a murderer who enjoyed killing these people? I mean, come on. Yeah. I ain't giving somebody yeah, sympathy. Like, I'm sorry the things that happened to you happened to you. But ultimately, you really did enjoy what you did. Yeah, he loved to eat people. Like as it yeah. as it says, uh, the taste of the human body was similar to that of pork, and um, nobody could tell the difference. And he called it his special meat. Bye. Yeah. So I yeah. don't appreciate anybody who calls other people their special meat. Yeah. <laughs> so I found. He passed away August 5th, 2017, after 20 years in prison. He was found dead in his cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland. He was 62 years old. How did he die? And had no blame for the atrocities committed. Um, it doesn't say. Probably a heart attack. Something. But yeah, it, yeah, it's weird because it, some of this stuff was vague, this research, but... um. It was just too, you know, outrageous to not talk about. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that's it for uh, this episode. Um, Josh, are you still surviving out there, wherever um, you are? I gotta, I gotta be honest. Um, I have no clue if I, um, if I'll ever make it home. You should um, send me just... your location. We could send him one of those I, things like from the Hunger Games where they drop down the little... They have like the drones yeah. that drop their care pack. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how be, do you have a... How is your phone still charged? Yeah. Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> even better idea, honestly, of a care package being flown to me. I honestly can only think that I am either uh, in the Twilight Zone... I mean, or, you might be. It's or, or it's just cryptic out there. There you go. <laughs> you beat me to it this time. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god. So if you guys like this episode and you like the show, please five star it. Five star on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, leave a review. 
tell me uh, or tell us what you think about the episode suggestions um, if you have you know advice for Josh how to get out of wherever he's at please do because um, yeah. he needs to be in the studio honestly, maybe we'll start yeah. a GoFundMe for a care package the, yeah. <laughs> the best way honestly I think everyone once this is posted everyone should just come back on the Facebook post and just like give me advice yeah just assume I have nothing and be like, just tell me what you would do. Right. You're out in the middle of the West Virginia wilderness. Yeah. Because um, it's going on two months trying to get Josh in the studio. He's and he's just so many patches by now. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also include in the care package all of your patches that you've probably earned yes. by now. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. I am the best Boy Scout. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a Boy Scout? Um, I remember doing the Pinewood Derby cars. Okay. And that's about it. Okay. I just remember going to, um, I guess the church that my brother would go to for Boy Scouts. I never joined, but, um, I was too much of a mama's boy. I didn't want to leave mom. Hey, man, we love our mama. Exactly. So. I ain't upset about it either. <laughs> so, um, yeah, five star of the show if, if you like it or whatever. Um, if you have suggestions and you would like to, uh, or if you have stories about like anything that uh, might interest us, call the hotline. It's right here, five four zero three five eight one five eight three. You can call. There's a three minute limit. You could just call again for another three minutes if the story is longer. You could even text, and it's free. You don't. There's no charge. Yes. Free of charge. Like, I'm honestly sure someone out there has experienced something, especially if you listen to this podcast, you've experienced something that you can't explain. So genuinely, think deep. Think deep about something that you've tried to write off as a, oh, this just happened, or that just happened. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be horrific. It could just be very mysterious, you know. We might be asking for a lot. Yeah, just maybe if you like think about something you can't quite remember, like you've heard about this, you've heard a couple other people saying something about this too, like might be worth looking into. There you go. Here's some folklore. Thanks, Julia. (laughs) Seriously, it's great she's here. Yeah. Better better perspective than what I think we can give sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think um, a good a good show we should do is about lucid dreams because I've had one. Yes, I've had one that You're gonna have I to come woke in for up. That one. Yeah, yeah, two of them that were whoo, whoo, lucid jump. dreams and um, um, sleep paralysis. I've had that several times, and that Ooh. is not fun at all. I think I may have had it once, but I also don't know. You know, it's weird. Sleep paralysis. I have to lay a certain way. I know exactly the position I need to like lay in to have it. So I try to avoid it at all costs. It's very weird. Wow, man. Yeah. Are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. No. If anyone can, if anyone can help Justin sleep paralysis, Justin, what number should they call? Five four zero three five eight one five eight three. That's the cryptic hotline. We need help with that. A care package set up for Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm good. Um, <laughs> well, at least one of us are. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm good, but we could use some assistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Good vibes. So let's end this show now before we just keep rambling on about what we need in our life. <laughs> you call it rambling. I call it talking to my lovelies. Yes. My little ghouls, gas, and witches. Yes. Thank you. So um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. And lastly, watch your back. It's cryptic out there. <laughs>